CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. And we want to welcome you to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Looking forward to answering your questions as we do every weekday afternoon at this time. Answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events or a biblical perspective, getting that Christian worldview that we need so desperately to be good salt and light in these days that we live in. If you got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again, 88 88- 88 ask CSN we got some lines open and you're certainly invited to give us a call right now now if you're on the big island of Hawaii tonight I will be at um uh, the uh, the fellowship there on um Sure Foundation and we want to just invite everybody to come if you're uh, in Hawaii uh you just follow the road out of Hilo going south and when the road branches off to go to Pahoa, take that road, go down a couple of lights, and when you see Koholi Road with the light, the next uh, couple of intersections or so down, you'll see a big white picket fence, and that's Sure Foundation. And so we want to invite you to come, and we're going to be answering questions very similar to what we do here on To Every Man and Answer with Pastor Joe Jackson, the senior pastor there. And we're going to have a great time tonight at 7 o'clock, Sure Foundation in Kiao, Hawaii, just south of Hilo, about 10 miles. And again, right alongside the road, easy to find, and you're invited to Come bring a friend. I know it's going to be a great time. Love to meet you. Love to see all the CSN family that listens to us regularly. And so looking forward to seeing you all tonight. Then Sunday morning in Twin Falls, Idaho, we'll be continuing. I'll be there continuing our study in the book of Acts. And so I want to encourage you to bring your Bible. Love to see you in Twin Falls as well. And so uh, again, wherever you are, we're never too far away. We want to just invite you to come and be part of what we're doing. Joining me today, special guest featured CSN speaker that comes on after to every man and answer, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. Hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. Good to be with you. And, uh, sounds like a good time tonight. I wish I could fly there real quick and. Listen, be a part, but, uh, I, I would have you, I would have you up on the stage with oh, us. Oh, I would, would love be, it. I, I would, would just be. love to be in Hawaii there with yeah, you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. And, uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, lots of things going on over here. And of course we continue to pray for those in Maui. There are Indeed. still literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people missing that are feared now to have been, uh, literally cremated. Uh, in this wow. terrible fire, uh, really um, many people project the death toll to go well beyond 500 people. Uh, and so it is, it is a, a, a very sad tragedy. And so we want to continue, uh, to pray for all those. Of course, Maui, we have two stations there on the north part and the south part of Maui. Uh, so for all of our CSN family, we're praying for you as well as the rest of the island that, uh, God will use this opportunity to, 
um, bring people closer to him. You know, I, I really believe that we are in the age of sorrows, right before the tribulation starts, right before the rapture of the church. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, speaking globally, look up, your redemption draws nigh in Matthew chapter 24. And I believe we are in such a critical time right now of letting our light shine, being salt and light in a very dark world. We want to just encourage all of you to let your light shine for Christ. Again, the number is 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. we got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. Jeff, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have JT on the line in Festus, Missouri by St. Louis. Hi, welcome. Hey. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to um, say that I appreciate uh, the biblical knowledge, dedication, and commitment that... Uh, you all have to Christ, and um, the way that you answer questions and have it spot on is 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 unbelievable. Well, we're just glad that God lets us use us in that way. And you know, I think for Jeff as well as myself, we're not trying to say we're super smart, smarter than anybody else. I think knowledge puffs up. But one of the things, if you spent your life reading the Bible as as I, I, I know that Jeff has myself, um, even from a young child, my mom making us memorize entire chapters of the Bible. Um, I believe it makes a real difference in able to look at these key topics that affect so many of us as Christians and that we really know what the Bible says, not what a denomination believes or not what a, uh, uh, you know, I read on the internet. But what does the Bible really say about those particular things that I believe are so important? You believe wrong, you live wrong. And that's really the point. And so we want to be sure that when we study the Scripture, we're doing it the way the Bible says, precept upon precept, line upon line, understanding what's behind the Word that's written. And if the Bible says something on a topic, is there any other verses in the Bible that explain a little bit more about that particular topic to bring us into a balance of what the Word of God really says? You see, so many cults, so many denominations are started by just taking a piece of a verse or a fragment of a verse or taking several verses that seem to say the same thing out of context and building a whole theology upon it. This is a dangerous thing. Again, that's the precept part of understanding God's Word. And so, JT, did you have a question for us? Sure. Um, my question centers around that person that I believe that we are currently in the end times and those labor pains are now Braxton Hicks. Uh, Jesus' first warnings to his disciples is do not be deceived. And it seems like deception is on steroids right now. It, it yeah. becomes greater and more encompassing from our government, climate, economy, politics, and our churches. I don't blame the, these entities for the deception. I give uh, Satan credit for that. His time is running short. One area has re recently surfaced in eschatology uh, concerning worship music. Much of the music written and sung by groups that embrace embrace the new apostolic reformation. I only say that once, N-A-R. And they promote things like grave soaking, seven mountain dominionism, and other non-biblical teachings and practices that embody 
a uh, false theology of worship. Just because the lyrics are scriptural and we like the tune, should we not be discerning and look at the spirit behind the music we listen to? What are our thoughts about playing music written by NAR-based theologies like Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, Jesus Culture, and many others? Are they a part of Satan's deceptions? Jeff, your thoughts? Well, you're talking about contemporary music, uh, which started in the late 60s and early 70s um, with a group called Love Song. Mike was there in person to hear them. I got the album, and it really helped me to feel like uh, as a sort of a recovering hippie or a delivered hippie, uh, it meant a lot to me to have some music I could identify with. But that was back then because the lyrics were biblical. They were good. They were solid, and it was beautiful music. Uh, but now we've been through several decades of contemporary music, and there's some really good music out there, some good stuff, good songs with good lyrics and very uplifting that uh, it, they're easy to worship by. And there are other songs that are um, theologically problematic. Uh, they The, the lyrics um, are not biblical. Uh, they, they present Christ in a false light, or uh, they sort of portray your relationship with Jesus like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Uh, there's this sort of this romance language that, really has a way of um, just sort of humanizing Jesus, anthropomorphizing Jesus, where, yeah, yeah, Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is my friend. Um, Jesus is my boy. Yeah, we we went for a walk on the lake last night on the shore of the lake and all this stuff. So there was this, I think it went too far with humanizing or anthropomorphizing Christ, making him like us, and taking away his deity. There's a lot of that. So I think it behooves us regarding the music to listen carefully. We do this here in my church at Turning Point in Fort Worth. We, When we look at a song to worship with, I want to know the lyrics. I want to know what it teaches. Because there are concepts that are taught in some of these songs that really give you a false picture of Christ. Uh, you know, there are songs that talk about God needing us. Uh, God didn't want to be alone in heaven. So he redeemed us so he wouldn't be alone in heaven. When the fact is God doesn't need anything at all from us. He needs nothing from us. Uh, the true almighty, uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, God is utterly self-sufficient, self-sustaining. He needs nothing from, uh, we human beings. But th- those, there were songs that taught that. So if you were singing that without knowing it, you were being taught a concept about God that simply was not true. So we study the lyrics. We look at them carefully. If the lyrics are sound, we'll let them go. We'll let them, we'll, it'll, the song will pass because I want our congregation to be taught accurately regarding Christ, our salvation, heaven, hell, prayer, Worship, you name it, all the things that the the, the topics that uh, modern music covers and always has covered, uh, I want them taught accurately. And there is no stronger teacher, just about than music, because music teaches you when you don't know you're being taught. You're singing these lyrics, you have no idea that those concepts are filtering down into your soul, 
and whatever that song is teaching you, you're going to wind up believing it, accepting it, embracing it. So it's very important what we allow uh, musically into our churches. My yeah, and and the the problem is is that well, this song came from this particular denomination or this particular group that's that's kind of goofy. It doesn't mean the person who wrote the song necessarily is goofy. Now, again, if they're a known artist that has one good song and a dozen bad ones, then of course we wouldn't do that. But I think we have to be real careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And and just because a person may have gotten involved in a goofy church, but yet is a very talented, anointed musician— I want to be careful of that because, again, uh, we know that, that um, uh, you know, well, you know, this one's from the first Church of the Good and this one checks out, so therefore they're all good. No, not necessarily. I think you have to look at each one, JT, on their own merit, on their own stand. I hope that helps. Yeah, that, that helps, yeah. All right. Well, God bless you. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, uh, Movie Jesus, I think, You'll enjoy that. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Kenny, Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. How may can we you help? hear me? Yes. How can we help? Well, my question is this: I hear people say that the uh, Battle of Armageddon uh, is that the Battle of Gog and Magog. Yes, it's the principal one that uh, where the um, 200 million soldiers come from the east. Also, we find Gog and Magog gathered there as well. Now, we do know that Gog, Magog will, will once again reappear at the end of the millennial reign of Christ for battle against the Lord. But with the word it's spoken, it's not to be confused with the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, or maybe I should say not to be confused with the battle of Armageddon. But the Battle of Armageddon is at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, and this is where Jesus Christ comes back to this earth to rule and reign with all of the saints, and there Jesus sets up his thousand-year reign. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, the Battle of Armageddon is at the very end of the tribulation. Jesus does come to stop it. It's horrible. It's the war of wars, the worst war to ever be waged on the soil of planet Earth is going to be that battle of Armageddon, where if Christ didn't come, man would annihilate man. It would be finished. Uh, blood as high as a horse's bridle, John uh, predicts, which is incomprehensible. That's a level of slaughter that uh, you just can't wrap your mind around. Uh, the uh, Ezekiel War, different players are involved, different nations involved, uh, a different outcome is involved. So uh, there, those two wars are definitely both horrible. Uh, Armageddon worse than the Ezekiel War, but the Ezekiel War is truly a catastrophic war. And uh, I personally believe it will spell the end of Islam because it's going to be primarily a pan-Islamic uh, conglomerate of armies coming down against Israel to attack Israel in cahoots with Russia and God sends judgment, a fierce judgment, and uh, the the army is wiped out, totally decimated. And I believe uh, that that will spell, that will be the death blow to Islam. 
on the earth. Now, there may still be, you know, some uh, Muslims in the earth after that, but as far as it being a major religious force, it will be utterly humiliated, brought down, destroyed by God, because they so vitriolically hate Israel. And God has said, Israel is the apple of my eye. I'm going to watch over Israel, take care of Israel, protect Israel, defend Israel. So if you set your sights to hurt Israel, you can know that you're going to be dealing with God himself because that is his chosen land. Uh, but that's different. The, the two battles are different. Uh, it's, it's sad to know that these two horrible wars are still on the horizon for earth, but it's good to know that after the battle of Armageddon, a whole new world is born. A whole new world is coming. And we look forward to that. So hope that helps answer, Kenny. Hope it does, Kenny. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Stand in line. We'll send you out the movie, Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. Great to share with your friends. Let's go to Scott in California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastors. Um, I, I had like two two questions, actually, but uh, one I kind of, I think I know the answer to it. Uh, it could just been how it was translated. Uh, but the, the first question I have is uh, in reference to the armor of God and how uh, he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I was reading and I found in Thessalonians, uh, he refers to, or the author is referring to the breastplate of faith and love. Are they the same thing or are they contradictory or kind of how, what's the, the best way to approach that? Okay, Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, Paul loved using metaphorical imagery and, you know, his, his metaphor of the, the armor of God has just become, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people who don't even uh, know much about the Christian faith can at least know something. They've heard something about the armor of God. It just was one of those illustrations that just sticks because Paul was under arrest at this time and he was in Roman prison and he was uh, under watch and guard. And so he just looked at one of the Roman guards and saw this incredible uh, illustration and uh, began just to write it out. And it's, it's a very powerful illustration where he does talk about the uh, breastplate of righteousness. Now, of course, the right, whose righteousness? What, what is the breastplate of righteousness? Well, I believe it's twofold. I believe it's first and foremost the righteousness of Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be, be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is that the righteousness of Christ would be imputed unto us. In other words, his righteousness has been put in the spiritual bank account of every Christian on earth. His righteousness. So God sees us through the shed blood of Christ, his righteousness. But I believe there's a second part because Paul also talks a whole lot about the importance of a clear conscience. He says, without a clear conscience, you can't wage a good spiritual battle. You're going to be defeated. It blinds you. It destroys your authority and your confidence. You don't pray good. Uh, you, you certainly are not going to be out witnessing about Jesus if your conscience is defiled. That is, if you have unconfessed sin. If, if the darkness of sin is on your heart and is blackening your conscience, then it has a way of completely disarming you. So it's important that not only do we look up to, to the Lord for the imputed righteousness, but we also need that imparted righteousness where we are walking out 
the Christian life in obedience to his word, keeping a clear conscience, keeping short accounts with God, you know, never give sin a long shelf life in your life. Hmm. Uh, the, the minute you sin, take it to God. Forgive me, Lord. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. First John 1, 9, get it under the blood and keep very short accounts with God. Don't ever let sin sit because it'll sour. It'll, the, the condemnation and the guilt and the way that it cuts you off from God uh, is never worth it. So keep short accounts. Now, when he calls it the breastplate of faith and love, he's just using, he's just drawing out the imagery again. The breastplate of what? Faith. Well, how do we get the righteousness of God? By faith. And uh, what happens when we get that righteousness from God? Well, we experience his love and love for others. So it's really just a trilogy of words he's using there to describe a couple of different things in the Christian life. Uh, But primarily, our righteousness comes from the shed blood of Christ, secondarily, by our obedient walk. And then third, you know, it is a breastplate of faith, and it is a breastplate that leads to the love of God being shed abroad in your heart. So that's that's what I think Paul is doing here. Hope that helps, Scott. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of, I was on that aspect of it because when I was looking at uh, and reading through, I'm like, well, there's kind of three references here. We have the blessed spirit of righteousness, but then you have God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's like having those three references are kind of reverting back to, you know, this creation that we are. Um, but it, it kind of leads me to a secondary question because um, I've, I've been going through Revelation and it talks, you know, well, throughout the whole Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, but the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't seem to be mentioned much in the book of Revelation, if, if at all. Uh, from what I've read, I see the spirit, but um, I just wanted to know, is there like a reason that, that it's not mentioned there? Or like what's uh, the Holy Spirit's position in in Revelation in heaven? Um, you know, if you have uh, Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, then uh, are we as believers, then, you know, are we looked at as the spirit because we've been given the spirit by the Father? And now that we're rejoined, we're not really mentioned of uh, it's not mentioned anymore? Well, the Bible clearly tells us there's going to be a lot of people that accept Christ as Savior during the tribulation period. Now, it's going to it's going to cost them their life. They'll be martyrs. Uh, we find this in Revelation chapter 6. There was a huge number under the altar. The angel said to John, who are these? And he says, I don't know. Who are they? And he said, these are literally speaking of the martyrs that came up out of the Great Tribulation, which means that the Holy Spirit is still alive and well on the planet Earth. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, Jesus said. And so I realized that that comfort that comes from Christ via the Holy Spirit is still going to be working within, I believe, the believers during the tribulation period. Now, remember this. We never find the church mentioned on earth again after chapter 3. They're found in chapter 4, 5, especially where they sing, who has redeemed us from every tribe, 
kindred, nation, and tongue. We know it's not Jews in heaven. Uh, it's speaking of the saints that serve God. And so we don't find the church mentioned again here on this earth. You will find the elect mentioned. You will find saints mentioned, but never the church. And I think that's extremely significant because all the way through the New Testament, you find the emphasis on the church. Uh, whether you're looking at the book of Acts, Paul writing to the different churches, uh, whether it be in Thessalonica or Ephesus or whatever, the, the emphasis on the church was tremendous. But we don't find it mentioned during the tribulation period. And I believe it's because there are pockets of Christians that get saved, and no doubt because of the 144,000 Jews, which are servants during this particular time, it's very clear in the Scripture they are Jews. It lists the tribes by name, so no exclusive uh, group today can say, oh, well, we have the 144,000 in our church. You're just not reading the Bible, because it says they're from the particular tribes of Israel. They are male, and they are virgins, which these groups that claim to have these 144,000 in their select group, of course, violate that part of Scripture. but. They don't follow the Scripture anyway. But the point is, is that because there is these people getting saved, it lets me know that the Holy Spirit is, again, alive and well on the planet Earth. Now, there's always been wars. There's always been rumors of wars. There's always been famine, pestilences, all these things that have been on the world. But this time, the seven-year period of time in which God deals with the nation of Israel and deals with a Christ-rejecting world, these things that fall upon the earth are at God's hand. Up to this time, I believe they are brought on by the devil. And we remember Satan said to Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. Mine, whomever I want to give them to, if you'll bow down and worship me. What did Jesus come to do? He came to redeem the kingdoms of the world. Satan was offering him a shortcut. So when we look at this, we realize that, that, um, the the world that we see today in all of its in all of its problems i believe these are all acts of the devil but during the tribulation period it's going to be different these things come upon the world to cause men to repent that's the whole idea of the judgments of god this was the whole idea behind well even when we're kids we know that when daddy gets home he's going to spank you know, because we were bad. Well, you would think that when they see all these cataclysmic things happening, following the book of Revelation in precise order, well, again, you'd think they would repent. But unfortunately, most don't. But there's some that do. Holy Spirit's alive. We're coming up on a break, everyone. We'll have more to remain answer right after this. We'll be right back. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors 
founders throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Love astronomy, but have questions? If you've read The Created Cosmos, what the Bible reveals about astronomy, then The Expanse of Heaven, where creation and astronomy intersect, picks up right where the first book left off. Start with ancient cosmologies and end with chapters on modern cosmology. Learn about the appearance of astronomical bodies, the sun, the stars, our galaxy, and others out there. Dr. Danny Faulkner takes a systematic approach to the use of details given from the Bible with our God-given urge to investigate the expanse of heaven. To learn more, get your copy of The Expanse of Heaven, where creation and astronomy intersect for a suggested donation of just $25 by calling 1-800-357-4226 or by going to csnradio.com. to part two of Tell Man Answer here on this Wednesday and uh, with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And again, if you're if you're just joining us, if you're in the uh, Y area, I'll be speaking tonight with Pastor Joe Jackson, Sure Foundation Church in Kiao, Hawaii. Uh, just follow the road south out of Hilo. And uh, when you get to the Y in the road, going to Pahoa, get that road, go down the road about five miles, and you'll see us on the right-hand side. The big the big church with the big white picket fence out in front, right along the highway. Once you uh, get past uh, the light at Coley Drive, just about another couple blocks, and you'll see the church there. Tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to be doing something very similar to Every Man and Answer, but we're going to be doing it live in front of all of you. And uh, so it should be a really great time tonight, 7 o'clock, Sure Foundation in Kiao, Hawaii, and uh, right there and uh, by Hawaiian Paradise Park. And so look forward to seeing you. And then this Sunday, of course, we're going to be in Twin Falls, and we're going to continue our study there through the Book of Acts. And so if you're in the southern Idaho area, I'd love to meet you and see you there. And uh, we're going to have a great time. So again, we want to go back to the phones. Jeff, you know, again, um, when we look at all the things going on in the world, boy, I'll tell you, if you didn't have faith in God, knowing that he has a master plan, where would you be? Yeah, I I don't know. Well, I, we know that a lot of folks just try to drown it out in various unhealthy ways, which I fully understand. I used to do that, um, you know, drinking it away, drugging it away, you know, looking for some kind of distraction or numbness. Um, you know, I, there's, I, I know the sale of antidepressants and uh, sedatives is at an all-time high in America. Depression is at a real high in America right now. I read this week. So, you know, what we want 
our listeners to understand is that the Bible has solid answers, real answers that you can anchor your soul on. It's not a bunch of myths or fairy tales or fables or like Brothers Grimm, and we're not just, uh, you know, floating around on a cloud of uh, false hope, uh, believing, uh, you know, in angels with harps uh, sitting on clouds playing away. <laughs> no, none of that. Uh, the Bible is a, the most real, honest, straight to the heart and intellect book on planet earth. It's, there's no other book like it. It's the only book on earth not written by a person per se, but holy men of old were moved on by the Holy Spirit and wrote down what is in the, the Holy Bible, the scriptures. And so we have, uh, supernatural answers. We have true answers, uh, unchanging answers, absolute answers that don't change with time or cultures or the whims of men. What was true 2000 years ago is true now, according to the Bible. So, uh, you know, give us a call, ask us questions that are on your mind, and we'd love to try to answer those questions. And uh, so far, great show today, Mike. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, God is good. Scott, I hope that answered your question for you. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess uh, the the question I was really trying to ask was the Holy Spirit's position in heaven uh, not throughout the, the revelation. Uh, I just wanted to uh, get a clarification oh. on that. Like, Can I speak to that real quick, Mike? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott, you're right. The phrase Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is not found anywhere in the, in the book of Revelation. But Spirit is, capital S, Spirit is. It's in Revelations 1-4. You first encounter it, where the... the uh, Spirit of God reveals to John, says to John, write this down about the seven spirits. He says, and we, uh, John of the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, talking about Jesus, and from the seven spirits, capital S, which are before his throne. Now that's talking about the seven manifestations of the one Holy Spirit. So, because you'll note, it's a capital S, it's spirit. It's the Holy Spirit being uh, talked about. So that's in Revelations 1-4. Right off the bat, the spirit is mentioned. Then the last chapter, verse 17, chapter 22, and the spirit, capital S, and the bride say, come. So there you have the Holy Spirit really giving sort of a final invitation I think it's neat that the Bible closes with an invitation, an invitation to come to Christ, an invitation to put your faith in him. The Bible closes with a whosoever will, let him come. So there you have it. Now, in heaven, the Godhead, the Trinity is intact. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That will never change. That will always be the same throughout eternity. So if you're wondering about the Holy Spirit in heaven, uh, the Spirit of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as is Christ, as is God, who, according to James and other places in the Bible, never changes. The God of the Bible never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes, not one whit. So the Spirit is mentioned, just not the phrase Holy Spirit. And by the way, the seven spirits of God is mentioned four times in the book of Revelation. So 
again, the spirit is mentioned, just not with holy in front of it. And so I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Uh, that that definitely uh, gave a little a uh, little more insight into it. I just because uh, reading through it, I'm like, you know, I'm not I'm not seeing the Holy Spirit, and I know we're we're God's creation, and and uh, when we're joined to be with Him, I mean, technically you have Father, the Son, and then the Spirit, which would be us. But um, I didn't I didn't I wanted some clarification on that, and you you kind of gave that to me right there. Uh, you still have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all yes. all in. Uh, in one, um, but yeah, <laughs> that definitely uh, brings a better clarification for that. Great. Well, Great. Scott Stan Langston, yeah, the movie uh, uh, movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke. I think you'll really enjoy that. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Joyce, New Bronzeville, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. How are you today? Well, good, Joyce, and I want to especially thank you for calling back in today. Uh, I didn't get to your call yesterday, and I was very curious to see uh, uh, what happened there. Can you give us some background? Well, I mean, I'm still waiting for him to come back. He's um, didn't know he was a super, super nice guy, and um, he's working on my refrigerator. And so um, I have your station on my radio for the past 13 years. And I don't turn it off. The only reason it was turned off lately is because my house was being remodeled, but it's all back on again, and that's all I listen to all day, all day. I don't listen to anything else. And so, anyways, it was on, and he was in here working on my refrigerator, and he asked me a question. He's like, so it sounds like that your Bible believe in people. And I'm like, yes, we are. And he goes, well, um, he he was asking me what my what what I believe in and I'm, I told him I was like well you know I believe that um, in Jesus and uh, he's my personal savior I've been saved for a long long time and you know and so um, and I gave him an incident uh, incident about um, my son uh, Nolan was um, uh, passed away on 2011 just like a few months after he graduated he uh, was in a car accident and he uh, he passed away so before that, my son had given his life to the Lord, like as, as a junior. And so I told him, I said, you know, um, I think I would be a crazy person right now or, you know, like crazy in my head because of the fact that I wouldn't, if I didn't know that Nolan had given his life to the Lord, I would be going like, where is he? Where is he? You know, and um, he's like, oh, like crazy, like mad crazy. I'm like, no, no, like wondering where my son is you know i said but i know in my in my heart that my son is in heaven he's there because he gave his life to the lord and i said and it says in the bible that uh, that we cannot come to god only through the on the only through jesus jesus name you know and um he's like oh okay and he was just like so and so um he's coming back to my house to fix my fridge and i'm like i just want to make sure that well, before he, he went outside to get an invoice for me, and he said, I'll be back. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Lord, please just give me the words to say because I've run into Jehovah Witnesses before and uh, just really didn't know what to say to them. They're people, and they're being told something different than what what the Bible truly tells us. And so I was just wanting to hear from you and your other uh, speaker. What is your thoughts, and what is what is it that you can 
tell me that it, did I do right or did I say the right things? I mean, because I don't want to ever say anything wrong and mislead someone, you know. So that's my question to you is like, he's coming back. And I'm like, God, is it, it might be a chance for me to witness to him to to see, you know, maybe he maybe he'll say, well, maybe I'm being taught wrong or whatever. So, yeah, uh, Joyce, I think you did the right thing. And certainly you can continue to direct him to the radio. I think that's going to be one of the greatest because um, it's there 24 hours a day. You're only there to get your refrigerator fixed, but but uh, he can always go back and reference that. And oftentimes in the cults, they're extremely discouraged from ever visiting any other churches or or uh, reading any other material other than what uh, has been approved by uh, their organization. Uh, this is one of the great problems. And of course, with the New World Version that the Jehovah's Witnesses use, uh, they even rewrote it to suit their own belief again. This was in 2018 or 2013 with 10% less words than the 2012 version. Now, if we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and they willy nilly go through and start pulling out uh, whole chapters, hey, this is a real issue. 10% of the Bible less than what was in their version the year before. Now, again, uh, this is a real problem, but it all goes back to who Jesus is. They believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and this is a real problem because the Bible tells us, a real Bible tells us, that he's God. This is why we find that they uh, picked up stones to stone him in John eight fifty nine, because in John eight fifty eight he said, before Abraham was... I am. He claimed to be Eagle Amini, the same voice, the same personage that spoke to Moses in the burning bush when Moses says, whom shall I say to the people of Israel sent me to set you free? And God said to him, tell him the I am sent you. And when Jesus said that he was the I am, they picked up stones to stone him because he was claiming to be God. And when you really look at the the uh, the total obliteration of God's Word in the New World Version. 859 doesn't really make any sense because it doesn't follow. To just say, before Abraham was, I, you know, wh- however they have it worded there, and John 859 has got it all goofed up. You don't even know what it's talking about. But when you read the Old King James, you know exactly why the Pharisees were angry. Jesus was claiming to be God. And that's who he says he is. John um, 17, 3, again, says uh, our, to God, uh, let me just read it to you. Uh, it says, uh, and this eternal life, that they may know you are the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So important that we know who Jesus is. He's not Michael the archangel. He's not Lucifer's brother, as the Mormons say. He is God. He is not a created being. He's God. And that's what I think is so important. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. The, the New World Translation, like so many, if it's a cult, you can just mark it down. They have messed with who Jesus was. They have distorted him, dumbed him down, undermined him, undercut him, uh, robbed him of his deity. Uh, One of the boys. And, yeah, just, you know, any of the cults. Uh, you know, one of the things that you can know you're you're uh, confronted with a cult is what they do with the person of Christ. 
because they're going to undercut him somehow, undersell him, uh, sell him short, or present him in a way that is less than he really is. So, uh, you know, just uh, simple things like uh, the the New World Translation. In the beginning, it was the Word. The Word was with God. John, in a, a real Bible, it says, and the Word was God. But the New World Translation says, and the Word was a God. In other words, one of many, one of several. Just take your pick. There's there's several. He wasn't the unique God or the 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 God of the Godhead, but he was just a God, one of several. So that and many, many, many other abominable changes they make to the Bible. I, I really, I got to tell you, I would hate to be in their shoes on the judgment day because the warning is so clear in Revelations 22 that if you take from his word or add to his word, all the judgments that are talked about in the Revelation are going to be yours to experience. So very serious thing to alter God's word. And they've done it, they've done it uh, worse than most. So I hope that helps you, Joyce. Yeah. And so I would just let your light shine, be very, you know, how would you want somebody to talk to you if you were in his shoes? How would you want somebody to present Jesus to you? And again, any attempt to to berate Jesus Christ as something other than God. All cults share two basic things. Number one, there is no eternal hell for human beings. And number two, Jesus Christ is not God. Those are the two key eye marks of a cult. And so the minute that you run into somebody and they go, oh, I'm a Christian, well, they use the same terminology, heaven, hell, father, all these things, but with completely different definitions. And so this is why oftentimes we can we can be fooled in thinking, oh, they're Christians, they talk about heaven and hell and Jesus and all these things. But no, they have a completely different Jesus. And Paul warned about somebody coming and preaching a different Jesus. Joyce, I hope that helps. Yes, it does help because, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I'm like, God, please just, or Holy Spirit, like, please give me the right words to say, because, you know, I have a lot of Jehovah Witnesses come and knocking on our door all the time. And so I, um, sometimes I'll open, sometimes I don't, but this guy is in my house. He's not the first one, uh, but he's in my house and he's listening. And I'm like, well, you're such a nice person. I'm like, so you're Jehovah Witness. I'm so sure. I'm thinking to myself, I'm so sure you're getting your doors doors shut in your face because people don't want to deal with them. But I was like, you know what? If God has a word for me to say to him, then I will say it. And that's all I said to him. But he's going to come back to my house um, and finish my refrigerator. But I just wanted to make sure that what I tell him is truth and not something different. Because he says, oh, I'm a Christian. And you're a Christian. I'm like, I believe in the Lord. I believe in Jesus. I said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in God. They're all three in one. They're the same. And I told him, I said, you know, people, people have made out different religions uh, or different, um, like Baptist, Presbyterians, all that. I said, that's from man. I said, God is God. And no matter how you look at it, he is God. And that's how I see it. So I don't know. That's how I felt at the time that that's what I told him. So anyways, um, but I yeah. just wanted to call and, and ask the it's question. It's going to go well. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And direct him to the radio too, Derek, because it's always yeah. there to minister to him. I hope that helps, dear. 
Thank you. And I love your station. I mean, I have it on. So this is how that happened is uh, I have um, the radio in my kitchen. And when my son passed away, um, I just don't know. I mean, it came, your station came up and it just was so, I know the Lord is with you. I know he's with your people that talk, you know, that come on your station and your station it's just a witness to me. My kids hear it. My husband hears it. Anyone that comes into my house. They- well, Joyce, that's a wonderful blessing. And again, sometimes, you know, radio and sometimes a lot of the, the you know, modern things that we have, DVDs and, and uh, you know, um, websites that people can go to um, can witness where sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes the close proximity of a of a daughter to her mother, or uh, you know something, siblings uh, each other, but just say, "Hey, go check this out and see how God will bless you." Stay on the line, Joyce. If you like, send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy that. And thanks so much for the call. Let us know how it all comes out. Let's go to Andrew in Albany, California. Hi and welcome. Hi. Hi. How may we help? Hi. Um. So my question is on uh, uh, John chapter 17, verse 3. Uh, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that uh, that they may know you, the only and true God. So I, I, I believe in the Trinity, and I believe in the deity of Jesus. Uh, but this scripture sort of confuses me a little bit. Where Why? that God is the only and true God. Well, you find in, as an example in Titus 2.13 is an example uh, that Jesus is not just our Savior in Christ, but he's also our great God, because the verse reads, reads that uh, looking to that blessed hope uh, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we find it in other places. But remember, Jesus there in John 17 was confined to an earthly body. Uh, and he gave up that part of deity. Not that he wasn't always God, but do you think they really could have nailed God of the universe to a cross without him giving up that part of deity? He could have fried their faces off. But he allowed that to happen to him. And this is why when they said, well, when is the sign of your appearing? He said, no one knows but my Father in heaven. That was veiled from Jesus because he had taken on earthly form. But Jesus was still fully God and fully man. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is a real stickler of an issue in a lot of areas of Christendom right now uh, because there is a teaching going around that when Jesus came to earth, he left his deity in heaven. He left it there. That he laid down everything, including his godness, and became a man. And that the miracles he did, he did only as a human walking by faith and not as God. So it comes down to understanding who Jesus actually truly was. And the whole, it's called the kenosis. The kenosis is, um, has to do with his condescension, his becoming a man, uh, coming to earth to walk among us. 
And um, Philippians 2 talks about Jesus laying aside. As a matter of fact, I can just, I can just read it real quick. Philippians 2 says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Um, made himself of no reputation, meaning what? What, what is that telling us? That he left his deity in heaven and came to earth. And while on earth, he was uh, all human, but not at the same time, all divine. That's not what it's saying. When Jesus was on earth, there were two natures in him. That is, he was all human and he was all divine. We could put it this way. He was truly God and truly man. He was truly man and truly God. But he was both while on earth. And uh, so you find him from the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, that's the human part of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you know, if it's possible, take this cup from me. That's the human side of the, that's the human nature of Christ, although it was a unfallen human nature. But at the very same time, as Mike has talked about earlier in the program, uh, in front of the Pharisees, he said, I am. Ego me, I am. And that was a clear designation of God out of the Old Testament. So while on earth, he was truly human, truly God, truly God, truly human. So he was deity while at the same time, truly human. It's a paradox. It's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around, but it's so important that we don't take away from the deity of Jesus when he was on earth because God visited us on earth. God became a man, but he never laid down his godness. He did not ungod himself, but he was truly human, truly God both. So, it's important to understand that, Andrew, and in, in, in John 17, 3, he is not, um, it's not either or. He's not talking about the only true God and Jesus Christ as if Jesus Christ was less than, but really he's referring to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's not saying he's less than or not God because he mentions first the only true God being God the Father. And I hope that makes sense and helps you out a little bit. Hope it helps. Yeah, it just, it helps. Um, it's just a little bit confusing that he would say he's the only true God. Uh, that's what's stumping me he a little bit. He is the only true God. God the Father, the Creator, Elohim, Yahweh, he is the only true God. There's a lot of fakes, a lot of phonies. A lot of idols, a lot of false deities. So he was saying he's the only true God. And that was a truth. Yes. And so, again, understanding that, again, um, the uh, triunity of God is always that great mystery. But um, we just know that, again, God has manifested himself in three personages. Andrew, hope that helps send you out the movie Jesus. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. If you're in Hawaii, hey, look forward to seeing you tonight at Sure Foundation Church in Kiao, Hawaii at 7 o'clock. God bless you. Please call 1-800-357-4226.
or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 